0: Welcome back to the Space Hour on Federal News Network. I'm Eric White. A new contract from NASA looks to create the next generation of spacesuits for astronauts. Tasked with the order is Collins Aerospace, a Raytheon Technologies business. Along with its partners, it aims to design, develop, and demonstrate the next-generation spacesuit for the International Space Station. To learn more, I got the chance to speak with Peggy Gergis, who is General Manager of Space Systems at Collins Aerospace.
1: So as you know, Collins Aerospace uh, was awarded the master contract for the exploration extra activity services contract. Back in May of 2022, in December of 2022, we, we received the task order for design and development associated with ISS program EVA capability, and right now we're authorized for a 13-month period of performance for our design and development of that EVA solution up through CDR or critical design review.
0: And so this is a contract longstanding that you all have been um, given to create uh, new. Is this going to be new spacesuits? And um, if so, can you tell me a little bit about what some of the upgrades may be?
1: Sure. (laughs) Yes, this is uh, a contract that will enable us to design and develop the next generation of spacesuits. Um, As you may be familiar with the current spacesuits that are on the International Space Station. They've been uh, really the workforces associated with ISS. They've been supporting missions really dating back to shuttle. They went through a, a, an upgrade to enable them to support the International Space Station. But you know, the crux of that design, uh, a lot of that uh, content was actually designed back in the late 70s. So it's time for the next generation. Of capability, and that's what this contract is designed to do. So, when we look at the architecture for our next generation spacesuit, it actually it's lower volume, lower mass, and it can actually uh, accommodate a broader anthropometric range of subjects uh, with fewer sizes. So, when you think about the overall life cycle cost of a an EVA system, uh, it actually reduces it from the crew room. It provides additional capability uh, for EV duration. So the the members can stay out for a longer period of time, uh, with increased increase the metabolic rates. Uh, it also reduces the uh, amount of logistics that's required between each EVA. For example, uh, right now we have uh, Metals to scrub their CO2 during a a spacewalk. In the next generation suit, we use what's called rapid cycle And so it's actually constantly regenerating during uh, the EVA. So, a crew member, once they're done, they don't have to take a canister out, put it in an oven, and bake it out. Uh, That system can actually stay retained within the suit, lowering the overall time between EVAs. When I talk about we increase the anthropometric range, we can actually accommodate more crew members with fewer sizes. So when you're transitioning to use a suit from one crew member to the next, it actually takes less time to reconfigure the suit for that other crew member.
0: Gotcha. And you spoke about how the earlier suits, you know, some of the designs went back all the way to the 1970s. Um, the fact that there hasn't been a major upgrade, does that just speak to how well those suits were made and how, you know, they were doing the job? So what, if it's not broke, don't fix it?
1: Uh, absolutely. Uh, those those suits uh, were designed uh, with a tremendous amount of, of engineering expertise. They have certainly listed well beyond what they were initially designed to do. They were initially designed to support a two-week space shuttle mission where they would go up, they'd support you know, a handful of EVAs, and then they'd be returned to the ground for a full teardown and refurbishment. As we transitioned to the International Space Station, you know, the teams looked at the overall design market, they looked at um, the, the system itself. They did make some upgrades but ultimately, we were able to transition uh, that kind of core design to be able to support uh, six years on orbit at a time, up to 25 EVAs before having to be brought down and refurbished. So pretty remarkable overall. We we'll talked about, you know, uh, bang for the buck. Um, you yeah, know, I think we've certainly got uh, more than our fair share out of those incidents. Now, we've learned a lot through sustained operations um, on the International Space Station and things that we uh, would want to do a little bit differently, like separating out the water loop and the vent loop. Um, And that has been done in this next generation system. And we talked a little bit about the consumables um, and what's required uh, there and the logistics that go with that. So minimizing the associated logistics uh, to enable EVAs is, uh, you know, another element that we have really incorporated. And at the time the suits uh, were designed, we had a, I'd say, a smaller range uh, of infometry that we needed to accommodate, because in a lot of cases, you know, it was your your fighter pilots, those types of individuals that were going to uh, be going into space. Now, when we think about not only ISS, uh, but, you think know, about, Operations in uh, low Earth orbit holistically. We also think about the commercial EVA aspect, where you may have individuals that are uh, wanting to go out for a short spacewalk um, on one of the commercial LEO platforms. And what are their needs? What are the capabilities needed to support those types of missions? And factoring that in as we're developing the short.
0: Wow, and and so the schematics that you just mentioned about having to fit so many different uh, operational needs uh, are these? And excuse me for making this sound way too simple than what it is, but you know, are these made to order or what, how are these going to be produced actually?
1: Yeah, so that they're not made to order, but we're looking at the, the broad. So let me back up. Okay. So it's, so the, these suits are not made to order, but what we are doing is really a thorough assessment of your overall needs and decomposing those into the requirements to ensure that, you know, again, the base architecture is flexible enough to support uh, the multiple mission demands.
0: And when in designing these suits, um, I imagine that you were looking for that long-term use that the previous suits had served. Um, what were some of the aspects of this suit that will make sure that they are able to be used, you know, for for a long time?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So to be able to ensure that they can be used for, you know, a, a long time, again, the key there is, you know, Flexible and extensible architecture. So, incorporating features that enable us to uh, upgrade it to support different missions. Um, And so, when you you establish the core architecture to be common, say, between the International Space Station and what's needed for this, you're looking at those operational concepts, the driving requirements, and designing the core of the system. Uh, to be able to accommodate both of those. And then you can actually add in capabilities as are needed that are specific to that particular um, destination. And I'll use the example of uh, boots. So for the International Space Station, we have constraints associated with the existing infrastructure. Um, So there are foot restraints that a crew member needs to get into to be able to you know, restrain themselves as they're working on uh, hardware. That's that's fixed infrastructure. Um, so it makes sense the boots that we use uh, for our next generation system uh, are can be um, you know kind of compatible uh, with the International Space Station. But when we go to the Artemis missions, uh, remember it has to be able to walk on the lunar surface. You're right. You're in a partial gravity environment. You have dust challenges We've got radiation respect so um so our suit has to be able to accommodate both of those and um, as
0: and yeah, and on that, and I think this would make a great segue to it. You know, it, it's a common folly that space is so vast, but when you get up there, uh, space is at a bare minimum. Uh, where were you able to kind of shave off a few, you know, just millimeters or inches off of the suits just because, you know, they are they are big, big pieces of, of equipment. Uh, where were you able to sort of cut down to make these things a little bit more uh, able to fit them in the over overtype bin, if bin uh, if need be?
1: Sure. Yeah. And some of it goes down to the technologies that we use that are a little bit um, enable us to um, pack more into a a small volume. In other cases, you know, it's the type of material uh, that we have, um, you know, used or selected for, you know, some of the, the structure itself. In other cases, when we talk about volume, we're also talking about total volume in terms of the logistics needed to be able to support the multitude of crew members. So by reducing sizes, you reduce volume and mass. It has to be scored on space station um, to be able to accommodate all of those needs. So uh, again, there's a a multitude of different areas that we tackle to reduce that overall uh, volume and mass.
0: Gotcha. And uh, just finishing up here, what, um, on the research side of things, uh, can you just tell me about what are some of the uh, new and improved practices for researching the types of materials that go into making a spacesuit nowadays? Um, I, I know that in the past they you know, even would send them underwater and stuff like that. But what, what, do you, what were some of the uh, ideas that you all used in order to make sure that these were uh, compatible with uh, space missions?
1: Yeah, so that's a a great question. Actually, a a lot of the same techniques uh, that we use to validate uh, the materials uh, remain the same today as they've been because there are are really, uh, we've learned just a tremendous amount um, over the course of not only when we designed and developed um, this uh, current generation of space, but as we have gone through the experience on the International Space Station and learn more about, you know, off-dancing, about, um, you know, spacecraft, maximum allowable constituents, all of those different elements have factored into, you know, the, the validation that we've got to be able to do for each of the different um, components. So we are still going to be doing uh, testing and the a lot right? We're going to be doing, you know, thermal vacuum. Uh, testing on a variety of different aspects to ensure that, you know, we have full um, the verification of all of the materials, make sure that they're safe and we're going to create any adverse impacts, not only um, you know, for crew members, but for to the spacecraft as well.
0: Got it. And <laughs> probably my most important question, what can be done if a, uh, if a if an astronaut's toes itch? <laughs> <laughs> Is there any technology uh, for that? <laughs> and on the bigger point yeah. of astronaut's comfort, uh, what did that, what yeah. factor that play?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh, unfortunately, you know, at, at that point, when you're, you know, fully encompassed in a spacesuit, you, you don't really have a lot of options. You can't <laughs> uh, that really stretch like, your toes. That
0: sounds like torture. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, I would say fo- focus on the other task at hand, distract yeah. yourself.
0: Yeah, when you're rest. when you're worried about not dying, I'm sure that a itchy toe uh, doesn't. <laughs> mean much. But did you consult with any uh, with, you know, there are tons of people now that have uh, had the experience going up there. Uh, did you I imagine they played a role in the process as well?
1: Absolutely. Um, our system was actually designed by astronauts for astronauts. Right. So we have actually taken that kind of user input to the next level. And they have been uh, integrally involved throughout our process to date. And we're going to continue to involve crew members who have done EVAs, uh, who have a vested interest. We'll be involving them throughout uh, the entirety of the development process to ensure that all of those needs are appropriately considered and factored in. And I would just say that you know, we at Call and Zero space had really been paving the way for EVA for decades. Um and this task board is a, a, a great opportunity uh to enable us to continue that legacy. So we're just really excited to be part of you know the next phase of EVA and and you know, partner with you know, so on this journey. So